Rise and shine, bitches. Welcome back to another episode of Just a Quick Pinch. I'm your host, Connie Wang. Alrighty, you guys. Today has just been one of those days where, like, I don't know why I just, like, can't do anything. It's, it's not that I can't do anything right. It's just that I can't do anything. I feel like it's the senioritis in me. I've just been feeling, like, so unmotivated recently. Um, and I can't really pinpoint exactly what it is. But I just want you guys to know that, you know what? It's 11 p.m., even though it's late at night, even though I really didn't want to, I just wasn't in the mood to do anything, I'm still getting it done, and whatever it is that you guys need to get done, you guys can do too. I believe in you. I believe in us. If you're going through a lull or a senioritis period, or if you're just going through a time where you feel unmotivated and you don't want to do the thing that you have to do, it's okay. Don't worry. Just take a deep breath with me, and we can still get hard things done. We can still do it, Okay. I think that's like one common misconception that people have about like the road to getting whatever you want is that it's actually not paved with being motivated all the time. A lot of times what gets you like what what moves that line in the sand is not those moments of feeling super motivated and inspired It's actually those moments of pushing through despite feeling unmotivated and uninspired. Anyways, that is just my beginning of episode pep talk. First things first, before our main episode, we got our hot girl huddle. So hit it, editing Connie. <laughs> She's going to be so tired tonight. <laughs> You know what's interesting is like I've been putting off recording this intro because like I said I just like wasn't in the mood to do it but you know what as I've been doing this I'm actually feeling better and this is just a reminder that like sometimes all you need is that momentum just get started and then you'll realize it's really not as bad as you think it is like I'm having fun and I'm like wait I like to do this I don't know why um yeah anyways just breaking down that fourth wall for you guys so first things first we have our healthcare horoscopes our tarot card of the week let me give this a little shuffle shuffle. Alrighty, you guys. So the card of the week is the Ace of Wands reversed. The Ace of Wands reversed. Keywords of the week are an emerging idea, lack of direction, distractions, and delays. The Ace of Wands reverse suggests that you can sense an idea emerging from within, but are uncertain what form it will take or how you will manifest it into the world. The reversed Ace of Wands can also suggest that you're finding it difficult to define your purpose in life and what you want to create. This lack of direction may sap your energy levels and leave you unmotivated and uninspired. It might be a sign that frustrating delays are impending the progress of your projects and ideas. You are likely to feel impatient. The key message here is not now, but maybe later. Timing is essential for success, so be patient and wait for the best opportunity to move ahead. You know, sometimes when I do these tarot polls, I feel really vulnerable because I'm like, I feel like I'm just reading my tarot card for the whole week not necessarily everyone else's because I don't know about you guys but this really hit for me um like I said I've just been having like a bit of a lull and it's okay because I know that that's all it is like these things happen and when you create stuff it kind of like you just kind of have to go through these periods of highs and lows and this week just happens to be a low um in terms of the creativity inspiration side but this tarot card did make me feel better because you know what? There was an astrological reason for this, okay? Every time, like, I feel, like, a lull or, like, down about anything, I'm always like, is Mercury in retrograde right now? That must be what it is. It couldn't possibly be me and my health. It must be Mercury in retrograde. So, ha! There you go. It couldn't possibly be me. It's the cards. The cards are just saying that currently we're just going through a period of being slightly um, uninspired. But, like they said, there is a new emerging idea. We gotta just wait for the timing, wait for this to pass, and it will all be okay. So anyways, that was just me talking myself off a cliff for the last couple minutes. That was our healthcare horoscopes. Now on to my eyes and O's, my ins and outs of the week. Alrighty, you guys. So my in of the week. Okay, I need you guys to bear with me because like, I don't, I don't know if this is like the most relatable in of the week, but you guys, I discovered something this weekend. I discovered something beautiful and that is the world of omakase sushi. Okay, like I don't, I don't want to lose any of you guys out there. Just hear me out. So basically this past weekend, Jimmy and I went to New York City for a couple days just to relax and have a vacation. And we decided to try omakase in the city. There was this like super affordable place actually that we first tried it um well affordable is affordable in the world of omakase sushi um but basically for those, those of you guys that don't know omakase sushi is just this like really bougie way to consume sushi where like you sit at the bar and the chef hand like one by one prepares each piece of sushi for you 
he specifically like dresses it with soy sauce he specifically puts in wasabi or she um and they just like custom kind of make it to exactly what they want you to taste so it was just like a really fun experience like so like they'll hand you this and be like this is like like flounder with yuzu and essence of this with like salt i don't know it was just like really it was like literally dinner and a show because you get to experience like the exact sequence of the type of fish they want so it starts with like clean flavors and then as you progress it becomes more like heavy flavors richer flavors it was just literally such an experience i used to be someone that was more like going the affordable route well obviously i have to because i'm a student but i feel like i i get it now i get it i get why people spend so much money on this obviously i can't do this all the time but this really is like a new budding hobby of mine like i feel like this weekend was the first time i really like tried fish like this like it was such an experience for a foodie like me um i think that investing in it is worth it especially if you can find affordable places like this place that we went to um what did we go to oh it's called moco in New York City, if you get the chance, go there. It's like some of the most affordable omakase that you can find. And yeah, I just feel like I up-leveled in life. Like, you know how in Girl Scouts you get like badges every time you do something good? I feel like I got like the foodie badge for trying this. Um, and like it literally like just opened my eyes to a whole new world of like consuming sushi, fish. It was like exquisite. And like you guys know I'm a frugal girl, okay? Like I'm the girl that's like in the grocery store agonizing over like the ounces per sense of like the beans that I'm about to buy with my food stamps by the way like I am normally a very frugal person so for me to say that this was worth it is really saying a lot for my frugal girls out there just like hear me out like it's kind of like obviously I can't do this all the time but like they're onto something okay the bougie the rich people are onto something I get it um I think the best piece that I had was it was my mouth is literally watering as I'm describing this. I had this incredible piece of well, one of my favorites was the sea bass with miso um, and they like torched it on top. It was awesome. But like the fish was still raw. And then I also really liked I think it was like sea scallop with like yuzu and or like ponzu or like something like that. Um, we tried like all these different types of fish. It was like incredible. So yeah, anyways, long story short, I have become an omakase girl. It is a very expensive habit that um, I am developing. So <laughs> I, I guess it's less of a habit and more of a hobby, but it was just really fun. And I feel like this is just why I love being a foodie. You just get to try new things. I felt so inspired after. I'm like, should I go and become a sushi chef after dental school? Like they get to work with their hands and people please, and people don't get mad at them because like they like diagnosed a cavity or something it's like you know people don't hate their sushi chefs um so i just feel like that was a career route that i could have explored possibly but anyways that is my in of the week and then my out of the weekend is i have realized you guys i need to step it up i need to revamp my shoe wardrobe because my current shoes are just not it i had like the hardest day on friday because we did this fun little photo shoot at this really cool like photography studio for the podcast and that day i chose to wear like these little booty heels that like they were lit the heel part was literally only i want to say like one inch like it's not a big heel right but i just I, like literally the way that my feet hurt so bad after walking around in these shoes I legitimately thought a toenail was gonna fall off I was actually concerned I was squeezing Jimmy's hand so hard as we were walking down the street that he was like you need to stop and I was like no I need new shoes so basically I like I'm just trying to find out like where can a girl find cute shoes that actually feel okay I know this is the age-old question I'm like do I need to do a whole podcast episode on this because I just like I cannot live like this I don't know maybe some of you guys have always been like that but I just realized I cannot live like this anymore so I need to revamp my shoe collection I need some cute heels that feel comfy um emphasis on cute okay like I need something that actually like looks fashionable so let me know if you have any good suggestions because currently I am on the hunt to revamp my shoe wardrobe which is just this is all just great for my for my wallet right now loving omakase sushi and wanting a new shoe wardrobe what what else should I do <laughs> oh I know pay for my dental school tuition uh so anyways that is all I have this week for my eyes and nose my ins and outs of the week now on to spit talk <laughs> Alrighty, you guys. So Spit Talk, very exciting, you guys. This past week, I got my first job offer. Yay, my first big girl dentist job offer. Super exciting. Um, it was just really cool to be like, wow, 
someone wants me. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, well, I'm like kind of kidding. I, I, I know that people want me. But it was just nice to like get the call, you know, and to hear the thing that I've been waiting and working so hard for like all these years. It's kind of crazy. Well, also because like I recognize that I'm kind of just starting and there's like a lot that I don't know. Um, for example, my mom had like a dental question this weekend and she asked me and literally I felt like so useless. <laughs> like I was like, hmm, that's a good question. I don't really know the answer to that because I feel like so she asked me a question about like more like prognosis and like I feel like that's something that as a student you don't really have a good grasp on like I know how to do the filling I know how not to do a filling I know like what's a good filling what's a bad filling but do I actually know the prognosis of like a filling that was placed by someone else like I, I don't know so anyways where was I going with this uh I'm not competent and just just kidding. I am competent. Um, but yeah, basically I felt useless. So I had to defer the question to my brother-in-law who is a dentist. But those things aside, okay, now I'm remembering why I mentioned this. Um, so yeah, just getting that phone call and getting my first job acceptance was very exciting. It feels really good. It feels like, oh, like I have a future after this. Because also that's the thing about like not having like before you like sign a job contract you're kind of in that limbo land of school maybe that's why i feel a lot of senioritis now that i have a job offer see this is why i shouldn't record at 11 p.m because this is how like aimlessly my mind goes so anyways long story short yes the job offer is here i still need to like look over the contract and do all like the boring lawyer contract stuff but good things are happening if all else fails at least your girl has a job um and yeah that was an exciting development. Other than that, in Spit Talk, like I said, Jimmy and I had the best time going to New York City and Long Island to see some friends. New York City was just the two of us. It was really fun because, like like I said, like we haven't gone on a vacation in a while to just enjoy and just adventure and see something new. Uh, we had a lot of fun. We went to, <laughs> we were like such tourists. We went to like the Harry Potter store in New York City. We went to the M&M World in Times Square. We went to like all the parks, like Madison's, Madison Square Park, Washington Square Park. We literally literally walked on our second day I think like close to 30,000 steps also maybe hence why my toenail was probably like falling off like maybe that's why maybe I don't need comfier shoes maybe I just need to walk less than 30,000 steps in one day I don't know anyways that's all I have this week for our hot girl huddle now on to the main episode today I interviewed the lovely the iconic Caitlin Rastetter. She is the founder and CEO of Dental Hygiene Nation, which is an all-encompassing lifestyle and apparel brand for dental hygienists everywhere. Basically, she felt the need to create products that actually resonated with dental hygienists and people that work in the dental field everywhere and just felt like there wasn't enough representation. So what started out as just like a funny Twitter meme page while she was in dental hygiene school became this incredible lifestyle brand for dental professionals. So anyways, we talk all things about branding, creating a company, entrepreneurship, following your gut, all of this incredible advice. And I'm so excited for you guys to listen. If any of you guys out there are not only it, it doesn't matter if you guys are thinking of starting your own company, even if you want to open your own practice someday or create become an influencer, uh, create your own kind of page, whatever it is, we talk all about what it takes to create a loyal following and get that kind of a dream community that everyone wants. So without further Further ado, here is Caitlin from Dental Hygiene Nation. Alrighty, you guys, I'm so excited. I have Caitlin here. She is the beauty and the brains behind Dental Hygiene Nation. I am like so excited to have you here today. We were chatting before a little bit off air about just how inspired I am by Caitlin and everything that she's done. Um, Caitlin, so I really want to hear like the whole backstory because from what I've gathered from my research, you graduated dental hygiene school in 2014, and you started a Twitter page called Dental Hygiene Problems, right? Mm -hmm. um, which has since then actually evolved and become a lifestyle brand, which is Dental Hygiene Nation. Did you end up working at all Chairside after dental hygiene school, or did you go straight into this? I did. Well, not very long. Uh, yeah. I worked part-time for six months and then went into sales and then kind of went full-time with Dental Hygiene Nation. And I temped kind of a, around there, but yeah, kind of six months and then totally switched gears to more business side of things, I would say. Did you um, always know you wanted to go into the business side? No, but I think looking back, it, you know, there's always that little sparkle that's kind of lingering. And I look back and date it back to when I was like 10 years old, my grandfather 
uh, grew pumpkins and we were having a garage sale and he said you should sell these pumpkins at this garage sale and I'm like okay and then I remember just getting the pumpkins and like if I sell three more pumpkins I'll get ten more dollars you know I was like really loving that adrenaline rush so I feel like from that point on loving creating something from nothing or providing something to a community, even though it was pumpkins, it, the, that adrenaline rush never left me in wanting that again. So oh I don't think I knew I wanted it, but it's like almost I found my way. Right. When you, so when you went into dental hygiene, did you see yourself like doing a whole career in dental hygiene, like chair side forever? Or did oh, you yeah. think about oh, yeah. I really? love dentistry. I still do love dentistry. So it's kind of the perfect storm of having um, getting more business side out, but still keeping that industry that I love, um, wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, but until I worked chair side for that six months and working next to a hygienist that really opened my eyes to what, what does my career? I don't think I ever thought, what is my career plan for dental hygiene? You know, what's 10 years? Do I plan on managing somewhere? Do, like, what does that look like? And I didn't ever really thought about it. And she kind of made me start rethinking everything. I thought I was just, here I am, hygiene, love it, rainbows, butterflies, my, I'm done thinking. But she made me rethink everything. And then I asked myself, is this, is this what I want? And the biggest thing was, I think, plateauing. I'm, I'm a, an achiever, I think, at heart that I think not having that something to chase after in, in hygiene um, that's what made me rethink clinical 24-7 um, and work something else that had more of a ladder to climb. When you were in dental hygiene school, what were you like? Like, were you like class president or were you like never show up to class? <laughs> okay, I was always usually late running late to class. Um, <laughs> I did well in school. I would I definitely study the night before and some girlfriends of mine would get pissed at me because I would study. Like, it was my thing. I was just like, all right, I'm going to hammer that out and study and I would do well. I would be in the zone. It's what I needed. Um, another fun story about hygiene school. I actually, um, if you remember the, the Lauren Conrad photo that kind of floated around Pinterest for a while and she once dyed her hair like purple, pink and, uh, purple or purple, pink and blue on uh -huh. like, the tips of her long curly hair. Oh my gosh. She was everything. That was totally during my, my like Tumblr era where like, yes, it was all on Tumblr. So I'm like, I want to do that to my hair. And it was like real faded. It was like, you know, could have barely tell. Um, it wasn't like rocker girl style. Yeah. And I did that and I was right into pre-clinic going into like seeing patients and they made me braid my hair tie it tight in a bun that you couldn't <gasps> even see like one little stick of color, like not even a millimeter of color. So I was kind of a rebel, but I was a goody two shoes rebel. Like I pushed the envelope a little bit, but I did well in school. So, yeah. You know, I really have to commend you because I feel like if I was in your shoes, it's kind of a really scary feeling to like go through everything, like the boards, the studying, all that dental hygiene school, and then to be there for six months and then have to like critically think like, is this right for me? Because I think a lot of people have that inkling like this might not be right for me, but they don't let themselves go there. So then they just kind of keep yeah, going. And I can think back. It's definitely scary. But I, I said to myself, if I'm going to do this now, I better do it now because I mm. don't. I, I thought about, I think I'd regret more later on not doing anything about this feeling than changing and not liking it. So it scared me more to stay longer in a career that I didn't maybe enjoy 10 years from now. And I saw the, the hygienist I worked next to didn't really seem like she was loving her job. So that kind of painted the picture of what I didn't want or who I didn't want to become. And she was very kind to just be honest with me. And, you know, she, it paid her bills and that was fine for her. Um, I don't mean any ill will, but I think it's almost like she looked after me like a bigger sister and I'm just so thankful for her. Oh my gosh. That's like so powerful that you get to like, like you said, like see the life that you know that you don't want, like yeah. right in the operatory next to you. Um, when you were like in your early days after leaving chairside and leaving sales and, you know, fully doing dental hygiene nation, did you ever have those moments where you're like, ah, I can't believe I'm like leaving such a stable life for this? Or was it always like, I know it's going to work? Definitely scary. I remember telling my parents and they were like, you're doing what? And you paid all this money for this degree? And they were just like, oh. like, I remember it was just deer in headlights. Like they weren't like, that is so great. Good job. They were just like, okay. Um, and I think 
that's where I always recommend it's easier to take that leap. When you're younger, I was still living at home. So I think mentally I really had no risk and that helped me take take more risk. And as much as it was scary, I think what's great about dentistry is you can always go back. I don't mm. really think gaps on your resume make a difference. Um, I know moms come and go and just knowing that a, that that's a common thing in our industry really helped me say, hey, I'm going to try this thing and then see how it goes. Um, but I mean, it definitely was still scary, but I, I think I, I had faith that it was going to work um, just because I built that community on Twitter already. I already knew I had the community and usually it's backwards. Usually you start a business and then build a community. Um, and then after reading a few business books, it's like, oh, all right, well, I'm already like halfway there. So I, I kind of have my, my toe in the water a little bit that I knew there was at least a community to build a brand with and it was a little less risky. Yeah, I was t I was telling Caitlin actually off air a little bit like I'm just so inspired by the community that you've built around Dental Hygiene Nation because that is something that is so I feel like underrated and should be like more emphasized in a world where we have so much like I mean, like nowadays, there's like influencers pop up every day, right? I know. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, who are you really influencing? And now I feel like as it becomes more and more, um, I guess, common to grow a following, I think what stands out the most is having a loyal audience that's willing to like advocate for you. Um, and that's something that like, to be completely transparent, like, it's like my goal with like this podcast, of course, but it's something that I think is really tricky and it's partially like what you could read from a book, but a lot of it is also like not things you learn from a book, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I would say a comment to that. And in, in the beginning, I had no intentions of building any brand. It was, I was just a sophomore in college, just playing around on Twitter, talking <laughs> random drama on Twitter, just like funny stuff I'd think of in the operatory. And I think having that not having a path, let more things fly. And sometimes that's when the best things happen is on accident. Um, and that's happened many times now within my business, you know, our best top selling product was an accident and you know, it's, no, it's how? and it was, okay. I'll tell you a little short story about that. Um, so it was for four or five years ago now. And I remember I was sitting in Starbucks. We were, um, I would have a co-meeting with one of my uh, co-workers who she still, she still works with us today. We'd always meet at Starbucks and work and, you know, laptop against each other. Um, and we were going to launch a bestie box for Valentine's day. So it's like right on it's around its anniversary. And I remember I'm like, okay, we're going to put like a headband. I think cocoa floss is actually in this first box. Oh my actually. God. Um, <laughs> And it was like hand sanitizer, like little sampley things that you could send to your dental bestie on Valentine's Day. And we launched it, didn't tell any, didn't do a pre-launch, didn't talk about it. We just threw it on an email and it sold out within minutes. And I'm like, oh, we have something here. Um, and that's where our subscription box came from. So it started as like a one-off bestie box of samples and now it's a full fledged subscription, a quarterly subscription with full size products. So it's just, sometimes you just have to throw stuff at the wall and sometimes it sticks, but I think not having a plan as hard as that is sometimes, sometimes when you just try is mm. the, I'm telling you, that's when the best things happen. Mm -hmm. Because it's almost like, I feel like sometimes people are afraid to kind of let their audience like speak and like show what they like because you're afraid like, oh, what if it flops? But like uh -huh, the alternative yeah. is so much better. Like what if you find that thing you never would have found otherwise? Exactly. And I feel like I've gotten, you know, being in business for a while, I think people expect a little more from you in the beginning. You're like, eh, whatever, like no one cares. Mm. Um, so I have to constantly remind myself to stop being so robotic and playing by the rules and doing what people expect because it's sometimes you just have to try something new and not worry about how you look or how you appear to your audience. Um, cause like you said, sometimes what if it is something that is going to be really great. So it's easy to get caught up in being perfect. I think. I actually read a book too one time about kind of like innovation and product development. And it was saying, um, I think this is like a famous quote from Henry, Henry Ford. I might butcher it, but it's kind of like, you can't ask your audience what they want because they don't know what they want yet. Yes. Yes. That is so true. And we get that with surveys all the time where I'm like, 
they'll, they'll, it'll be so vague or even in um, like us customer service, they tell you, you know, they, they say they're complaining about something, but you read through the lines and you're like, they actually just want this. So mm-hmm. it's, it's so true. So that's where you, sometimes you just have to just, again, do it. Yeah. What do you think is um, maybe like looking back, it's a mistake that you, that became a lesson for you either in like branding or like anything like that early on. My biggest two things advice I always say looking back um, is get a professional brand, uh, like have a professional design your brand for you. I did mine on my own and it was, it was good. I, I have design experience, obviously. Like I, I do all of our shirts and merch. Um, but branding is just something different that when you work with somebody else and kind of collaborate on the feelings and the brand that you want to represent, having that deeper conversation really pulls out the staples of your brand. And I think, you know, luckily our, my community was open to our rebrand that we did. Gosh, is it two years? One last year, I think. Um, luckily they were open to that, but we have a totally different look, but I feel like this look is more representative of our community then the other one was just like words on a page. So that is my biggest advice. And the other advice that goes with that is an accountant, hiring an accountant early on. <laughs> I try to do the bookkeeping myself. Be like, you know, it's just checks and balances. No, just have someone do it. You don't have to think about it. Your, your time is worth being creative. Yeah. Something that I really like too. I was like listening to this podcast that you were on um, with uh, Kiss My Aesthetic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So She mentioned that you guys did this awesome exercise where a lot of people say, like, envision your ideal audience. But instead, it was like you identified three, uh, like, three different types of personalities that you want your brand to cater to. What was the benefits of doing this? And why do you think, like, someone else creating a brand should do the same? Yeah, that's tough um, because I don't know. There always is a niche niche audience that you want to speak to. But within that, you definitely have different personalities that I think it only makes your brand stronger. If you have a little piece of something for everybody um, that I just think you, you want to love those top sellers, but you're not always going to have those top sellers. And the top seller, like where I'm saying, like where everybody wants it, where if you have these, you have your top sellers, but you have little pieces around those that really speaks to that person because I think if you're always selling to the masses, sometimes you lose that little bit of personality or identity that you can add um, and, get, and get a little more emotional with whatever product you're doing. So I think I think a lot of people don't try to hit multiple personalities because it's just usually profit-driven too. Mm. But I think if you have those deeper products sprinkled in, that's what helps build brand loyalty also because you're speaking closer to that person oh that totally makes sense and i like how you know like i feel like when we think of our audience it can be so vague even though we think it's niche it's actually like pretty vague because everyone's like a little different you know so by thinking of those three personalities you're able to kind of diversify like oh like there's a piece of like there's two of these different personalities in like one of this person and you can like speak to someone more because they're, they feel like they're being represented oh Whereas for sure. their brands might not represent them as well Right. And that was a big thing for me, too, is feeling represented, represented, because when in dentistry, you know, shopping for scrubs, I did not feel dental dentistry in general was represented at all. So I didn't feel anyone was speaking to me. So that's where I I think I really focus on meeting people where they are with our brand, because that's kind of what pissed me off in the beginning of what made me start a company. With your rebrand, which has now been, like you said, like I think two years or so. So you did this rebrand after five years or so of opening your, of starting Dental Hygiene Nation, right? Mm-hmm. And you did this because um, there was like competition popping up and things like that on like Etsy stores, right? How did you make the decision as an entrepreneur, like, okay, this is, I have to fix this by working on my branding rather than trying to come up with new products to offer? Like, how did you know branding was the route to go? I didn't. So oh. when I reached out to um, Michelle with Kiss My Aesthetic, um, she I re- originally reached out to her to do my social media. And she started as a brand, like her biggest, her bread and butter was doing brand designing. Um, and it's called, her 
tagline is bragworthy design um, or branding bragworthy branding so she is so good like when she dives deep into that personality i i didn't know what i needed until i sat and talked with her and mm. i'm so glad that i did because that etsy um you know having i call it the two-dimensional tooth our old tooth was a gold two-dimensional tooth it wasn't special it was just there it was hard to brand with because it had a foil on it so there really wasn't much thought like I was worried that customers wouldn't remember that that was ours like only mm. ours so I think I was felt like I was starting to lose that loyal or I could lose that loyalty because we were starting to blend in with the masses um and that that really worried me and it's I love creating new products but I think it was a change of pace to actually start representing, picking something that people will remember us by and not remember us by our shirts or our merch. Because in the beginning, I think that's all I cared about was, well, if they're liking our merch, that's all I care about. You know, as long as they're wearing it, they're loving it. I just want them to like what we have and right. represent dentistry. I really didn't care if they knew who we were. And that's obviously a problem in you know, in business, but it was as long as they were having a good experience and a good time, I knew they'd come back. So then I started rethinking I should, because there was more stores prop popping up, I didn't want to be, I wanted people to remember this shirt is from Dental Hygiene Nation and remember where they purchased it and not second guess like, oh, I might have gone on, you know, Amazon or Etsy. Like I wanted to have even more of that personal connection. Mm. Tell me a bit about what your Dental Hygiene Nation community is like for anyone listening or just like the community of dental, dental hygienists in general, because I feel like a lot of the attention always goes to like other more traditional um, people in healthcare, like doctors, nurses. We don't get to hear a lot of these stories a lot of times. No, and I, I tell you, if I had a dollar for every time someone said, you should expand into nursing, and I said, that's the point. <laughs> we need something for dentistry. So right. I will say it never fails when I go to a trade show um, and you just see people walking into hotels. You, I don't know what it is, but you can tell like they're <laughs> with the event. And I think dentistry has such a loyal community. They have such a passionate community. They love teeth so hard that it's, 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 it never fails. I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm in the community myself and I'm still obsessed with teeth that I get it. At least I get this vibe that everybody has. Um, but it's, it's a community like no other healthcare profession. So tapping into it, it's like, no, duh. And it's, <laughs> and I'm part of it that I'm like, love to celebrate it. I don't know what it is, but dental professionals love to celebrate that they work on teeth and I'm here for it. <laughs> How do you stay so on top? You guys are always like on top of the trends and you're very like on the pulse of what like the, like a trendy girl in dental hygiene is into. How do you stay like that? Especially for you, like now that you're like, even though obviously you still love oral healthcare, like most of your day now is more of like the business entrepreneur side. Yeah. Um, trade shows for sure. That that's like my fix every year. I'm like, this is why I do these events because I get to talk with, fellow dental hygienists or fellow fellow dental friends of mine and kind of catch up like what are they doing and I know mm. a lot of speakers in the in the world um, in dentistry um, I, I subscribe to a lot of the um, dental articles like I like to stay up on the science stuff too because I think there are some parts of you know we do the fun stuff but I like to make sure we're being cognizant of what is actually legitimate in dentistry and not you know saying the wrong thing on a shirt um, and then also really just pairing dentistry with what's trending at target or what's trending on Instagram. What are people wearing? What are people liking? It's, I mean, it's all around us. I mean, you look, you could go to the grocery store and see what people are wearing. And I notice because I, I love creating the merch. I think I'm always, my eyes are always open and seeing what people are wearing. And usually I like to fall into the, the trends too. So I'm like, if that's something I want to wear. I usually yeah. it for dental hygiene nation. I'm like, oh, I want that. And then I make it. And that, that's, what's really cool is I get to kind of create my own closet in something. Yeah. But, I mean, we get, we get recommendations also. Um, I have archives of lists and lists. Like usually I just go through and be like, all right, 
what do I want to create? And it's something I wrote down maybe a few years ago and kind of bringing it back to life. But it's tough. I mean, it's it's a chase. It's a game. It's scary. Um, I'm in my 30s now, so I feel like I'm starting into that old millennial trending on TikTok. I'm like, I got to watch. I feel like I need to get an intern to help me come up with the new Gen Z things. I think a newer generation is actually emerging, but just trying to always make sure we're relevant with the times, but still, again, hitting to all personalities. What's your favorite kind of merch to design? Oh, definitely crew neck sweatshirts. Really? Oh my gosh, I love crew necks. Which I'm actually wearing a DHN hoodie right now, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just you have it, the the palette is larger, so you there's more you can fit on the sweatshirt, and I think it's just more relaxed but powerful. I, it's like weird. <laughs> no, I like totally get it, and like I think it's so interesting too because. I well I'm like still I'm in my like late 20s now so I I always joke I'm like old enough to know I'm like not cool anymore like I have enough of a foot in the door to know like the things that I like like aren't at, like they're making fun of them on TikTok now and I'm like what <laughs> I know and I'm like oh god I'm, I'm like in that world but I'm like yeah no, I can you can be older and still be cool okay yes like, yes can, it doesn't matter I think you mentioned something too where like you have to navigate this very fine line of like being funny and relatable but also also like being legitimate because I yeah. feel like there's two ways to go. You could really lean into like the funny relatable side, but then it's easy to like, you don't want anyone to ever discredit, you know, like oh, the science, sure. the professionalism, all of that. How do you like straddle that line? Have like really fine to me nitpick every product before it goes to launch. Um, and I, I do have a funny story about a lesson I learned once. Cause sometimes you lose, you know, you lose sight, you lose your judgment sometimes and things happen. So I created, I was working on this shirt for a while and it was, um, I was seeing x-ray or like not even just x-rays. They were black and white photos that had sparkle parts in it. Oh, I know what you mean. That was like a Tumblr thing, right? Yeah. And it would pick up on the, I probably, and it would pick up on the highlights or the, the low lights and you'd put sparkles in those dimensions and yeah. I, did, I wanted to do that with the with an X-ray with a bite wing. So I was having problems finding a, an X-ray that had enough DPI or um, like resolution to send to the screen printer. They're like, no, too small because most X-ray. I sent my X-rays <laughs> and they're like too small. I'm like, what? You're kidding me! And then a couple of mine were crooked anyway. I didn't want to use them, and I was just like, okay, I'm going to use this picture. Um, this x-ray that I have, it was big enough and it works. I'm like, I just want to bring this shirt to my website. I'm excited. I want sparkles and it cut off. Actually, it wasn't a bite wing. It was a PA, a posterior PA and it cut off the apices. (gasps) And I totally just didn't even look. I did not finally look at that and say, that's not a correct x-ray. And we got so much hack from that. And it was fine. I mean, we we kind of made a joke about it. Like, if you can't, if you miss the x-ray, throw some sparkles on it. So it's oh. just one of those things that just, like, sometimes you just miss the boat and you make a mistake. But that just goes to show, like, you have to watch what you're doing because that's the minute you do that more often, you lose credibility, you lose trust in your followers, you lose trust in your community. Then they're not going to love your brand because they want to feel prestigious shopping with you and representing the brand themselves Mm. i feel like you did a really good job with handling that though like making making light of the situation better than trying to like cover it up right i because i felt like i felt like a coward if i took it down Mm. and the the merch was already at the warehouse so it was one of those things like okay does this affect the customer like as long as the quality wasn't shoddy or you know what like it was as long as it wasn't like a faulty product I think people could still enjoy it and still like the shirt yes did we learn a lesson from it yes um but I think it was hard to swallow it was one of those things where it took a few days to like I was freaking out like oh my god I'm so embarrassed I'm I'm over no one's gonna like me anymore no one's gonna shop with us anymore Um, But then you realize, like, you look at the bigger picture, and it's like, it's okay. Like, don't sweat the small things. And like I said, no one was going to be physically harmed if they were wearing that shirt. (laughs) 
And I feel like, if anything, like, I'm sure that maybe some of your audience, like, seeing how you handled it, too, like, gained some respect, too, and you're like, okay, like, I, I actually appreciate even more, like, it stands out more. Um, have you read the book called Superfans? It's by Pat Flynn. I saw that in your notes, but I wrote it yeah. down. I have a wish list. I added it to my wish, wish list. Okay, you have to read it because that's one of the few books. I'm, like, really bad at finishing books from start to finish. I, like, start to finish did it. I pulled up his, like, website with his little um, worksheets really? for it. Yeah, it's just – so the whole idea, for anyone that isn't familiar with this book, it's called Super Fans, and it's basically how to – kind of create those super fans that you want because at the end of the day they're the people that drive your career your brand all of that um from a perspective let's say you don't have a following but you're opening up a practice that's still like a brand that you want super fans for like out in the streets telling their friends about so this whole book is about how to convert someone from like someone off the street to becoming a casual listener then to becoming a super fan um have you from your experience because you have created like so many super fans it's so commendable how do you think is the best way to convert someone you know that's like maybe they have their eye on dental hygiene nation into then like a loyal super fan the little things i think Mm. from the beginning if i can give examples to that I'm always trying to communicate every little chance I get. I want to communicate with the customer on a personal level Um, within our emails that we send. I always try to add like a little funny message that kind of like an inside joke almost about a product or maybe how this product was in how we were inspired. Um, Just adding that extra conversation for them to feel like they're inside. Um, that I think is what has helped um, in doing that in Instagram, so in Instagram captions. So I think communication is is huge um, and not just doing the blanket, hey, we have a sale today. How can you talk deeper to that customer? And I think it's, you know, it's, it's hard for different industries trying to think of like a dental practice. Um, but just instead of saying, come get your smile fixed or whatever okay what what's more of a trigger point what's more of a problem solving thing that you can talk about on Mm. marketing that just peels that onion just a little bit more to solve the problem for that person um that would be that's one that's the first thing that comes to mind as far as building brand loyalty and consistency i think they want to know they want to feel comfortable and they want to know kind of what to expect so that is kind of a harder one to achieve, um, especially when you kind of built a schedule. So as far as marketing, um, Instagram has changed a lot over the mm. years, obviously. And we've gone from posting three times a day to once a day to three times a week to now we're actually posting once a week. And it's kind of scary to change that schedule because they're so used to that schedule but with things changing, you kind of have to change with the times, too. What um, are you using more nowadays? Like TikTok or? Email. We've mm. really put more focus in email. Um, Instagram, we're, we've dropped back, not really purposefully. It just kind of happened. We had some internal shifts with, um, like, workers, you know, who's who's working on what. So we're kind of shifting, um, pivoting within inside the business. So it's kind of making us take a step back, step back and be like, where are we spending our time and why? Because Instagram has become such a beast that you have to constantly feed it. And sometimes you don't get that return or sometimes you're feeding it so much that you forget to look at what return you're getting as far as the lo- not even just dollar signs, just the loyalty from it. What message are you sending? And I just started to think, I don't know if I want to feed this beast as much as I am, I'm feeling burnt out personally from Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are feeling that way. And influence, like you said, influencers are popping left and right. We're not the only funny account on, in dentistry anymore. How, do, how are we going to stand out? So we're posting less on Instagram. We're ramping up emails. And we're, we've actually been more on Pinterest lately. 
Um, oh my god, I love that. That's like yeah. perfect. <laughs> yeah, we're posting more on Pinterest, and then we love the Shop Pay app that Shopify provides, um, and then Instagram shopping too. I think it's like really tough because we're in a dated age where everyone's always like, "Check out this video, read this." Like, I have the best idea. I have the best idea on like how you can make your business explode. When was the time that you had to like trust your gut rather than follow what everybody else was saying or doing? I think it happens more than you realize when you have to like trust your gut. Um, I think, and it's usually I work, revert back to that. If there's like a little voice that's telling me, mm, stay back, or if I'm not like hard into jumping into it, I usually listen um, because if I'm not passionate about it, I'm just not going to be as 100% into it anyway. So it might take me a little longer to be all in, but I'd rather wait until I'm confident and then figure out the plan. Let's go. Um, and not just kind of like, oh, I think that this is what I want to do. Um, and one thing I have a story where we were kind of toying around with um, our ambassadors, like building an ambassador program. This was probably four years ago. And I had a feeling of like, that's, this is a great idea. I really don't know much about it. I want to connect with ambassadors on a different level or, or like the VIP customers. And we went with it. We had a great response. We had um, a lot of signups, but I think managing that ambassador list was a lot more than we anticipated as far as nurturing that audience. So that mm. was a lesson to learn that I kind of had reservations and then I did it anyway thinking we could figure it out but we needed a whole new a whole different person just focusing on ambassadors as far as communicating with them and maybe doing a, like different sales for them or incentivizing them we could have done so much more we've since retired the ambassador program but things like that make you realize i think as a business owner you're what's a, it's a blessing that it is it's a blessing and a curse that it's your decision at the end of the day where mm. you're the one that has to make that last call. So when it's a scary thing, no one else is going to be there to pull you out of it. So you really have to think through, okay, if this goes wrong, can I get myself out of it? And really always weighing pros and cons constantly with every move that you make and making sure, is it life or death? If it fails, what's going to happen? And if nothing's going to happen, then those are the, the safer risks that you take. Um, but there's, there's always a little bit of gut that has to go into it. And a positive story was when we were doing the rebrand, um, I asked like friends and family and a couple dental friends and everyone was kind of like, eh. but I was so obsessed with it. And I'm like, not, that was one thing where like, no one was really as excited as I was that I had to just do what I felt was right because if people hated it, it like nothing bad was going to happen. You know, okay. They don't like our logo. It wasn't going to affect the customer. Like, yes, that would probably be not so good, but nothing bad would happen that I'm like, I'm doing it. I love it so much. I'm, I'm going to do it. And then we had a really great response. So right. that was, it. I feel like you, you know what must be so valuable in business is like becoming unshakable in the sense that like good feedback doesn't get to you so much same way how like bad feedback doesn't get to you so much yeah yeah because like uh, like i'm sure that when you get good feedback it's like you're on the moon and you're so happy but then also if you're so easily like swayed by what other people are thinking then like it's so easy to go down like the dark hole of like oh, yeah. if someone says a negative thing yeah yeah and we get that a lot just with you know, having customer service is a, is a great platform to usually you hear the bad things, you know, the, the complaints, they usually not right. going through with customer service. And I actually don't, um, I, in the beginning, the very beginning when we started, I would, um, answer a lot of the customer service feeling like it was my voice. And I had to step away from it because I was thinking too hard on mm. what people were saying and thinking like, Oh my God, we need to change this. And then it's like, okay, if there's a, a multiple response of that same response, then yes, you need to probably change something. But I think it comes in numbers and it is easy to fall into. Are you 
you know, let's change everything because one person, like one person and I, my team is really good at keeping me in check. They'll be like, Caitlin, one <laughs> person out of the thousands of million followers that we have, that one person is going to be okay. I'm like, okay, you're right. Because you're I, right. I, I'm really proud of the merch that we make. And I love it that if someone's upset, okay, let's, I'm open to change almost maybe sometimes too open to change because I just want to keep evolving and keep staying ahead of things that sometimes you just don't have to, but still listen, you should listen to all feedback, but if it pops up again, then okay, let's revisit that. Mm, so it's kind of like knowing like when to really act on it because also I feel like when you first started this Twitter, it was kind of like, so I, like almost like low stakes because it was only you that was affected too. But yeah. now that, you know, you're a CEO, you have other people looking to you for answers. It's kind of like, there's a lot more that goes into making each decision. Oh yeah. Yeah. And just with, like I talked about earlier and people expect more the the longer you're around, the bigger you get, there's high, that expectation just gets higher and higher that, yeah, you're right. In the beginning, I was just like, well, this is cute. And I would, put this on the website or put this on Twitter because I really had nothing to lose. And mm. I think it also, when you do have more to lose, it also clouds your clarity or clouds your creativity. Um, but you also, you can't, it, you're always reminding yourself you can't please everybody. And that's where, again, like finding those personal the different personalities where, okay, this one wasn't a top seller, but we spoke to somebody that really did like it. Um, that, you need those small, medium, large types of product products that not everything's going to be the number one, but it's like, it's okay. Yeah. It's, it's going to be okay. It's yeah, like the story. It's going to be okay. And it's so easy to get caught up in the, Oh my God, I'm losing everything. My brand's going under and I'm, this is all for nothing. It's like the amount yeah. of times I go on that roller coaster of like, why am I doing this? What am I doing? No one likes me. No one, you yeah. know, no one wants this brand anymore, but then you're like, what am I saying? I love that. It makes me feel so much better to hear that you like the iconic dental hygiene nation brand, like that you feel that way too. Cause like, that's literally like my commute home in a nutshell is being like, Oh my God, like, what am I doing? Everything is terrible and I can never do anything right. Also that little driver that kind of keeps you chasing it too. So it's like, you need that. It, it's, it's that that's our survival instinct that keeps us pushing and pursuing that we want to provide like the coolest thing out there in dentistry. Like I just, I love seeing people excited wearing our merch and being proud. And like, that's all I wanted because that's, that's what I didn't have when I was in hygiene school that I just, I'm so excited to provide that now. If I had that when I was in school, um, that you, it's a double edged sword, but it's what keeps you fighting it's so true it's kind of like you're making things for like little caitlin that was like in yeah. school and like would have loved to see that it's so cute um, yeah. what do you think is next for dental hygiene nation um i'm definitely itching for something new um let's see do i want to unveil anything what are we working on right now <laughs> um actually you, you just get a hint yeah we are actually i think we're going to really open up social media management for other dental, dental only brands, um, not dental offices, more so dental, um, not so much influencers, like dental brands, let's put it that way. So not dental mm. offices, dental brands, um, and really use our experience that we've learned and help other accounts in the industry and kind of my goal is to solve a problem that I was having within our own social media management that mm. it's going to, I want to provide an affordable management that is just for dental brands because it's harder to speak to that audience. And if we can help do that, because I, I had trouble finding somebody making copy for us, um, that I'm excited to finally get to a point where I can, share what I've learned and say like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I, the reason I haven't found the right social media management is because I feel like I need to create my own. So I'm, I'm excited that dental hygiene nation might be going into more of a service industry in addition to the merch. Um, but again, still staying in dentistry and helping others grow their own accounts. Like that's, that's cool. And just evolving with what social media has become. It's, it's a scary place, but, We've been around the block that 
like, <laughs> let's figure it out together. Oh my gosh, wait, I'm so excited. Dental Hygienation is really just like a brand kind of for like every stage of a dental hygienist, like when they're in school or even like pre-hygiene, like the merch and like the memes and everything. And then it's like you have like the board review for the ones that are about to enter the workforce. And then you have like more merch for those that are in the workforce. And now it's like for the people that need that help with like the social media management and that side of it. And like really build their career. Yeah. 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 I never thought I would do that. And um, a good friend of mine kept bugging me to do her social media. And I'm like, it's a lot of work. I already struggle with doing DHN. Like, you're killing me. And she just kept pushing. <laughs> and I, like, respect the hell out of her, too. I'm like, okay, if you are saying that I can do this, like, that's one of those right. things where my gut was saying no. But, oh, um, yeah. And, but, like, I, there was a, but there was a little part of me that's, like, I think I, my gut's saying no just out of fear, not out mm. of, like, it's a bad decision. So that's kind of splitting what the gut feeling was like. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do this. I, this is where I started. This is what I love. I think when it comes down to it, I do love the marketing of social media in addition to the merch. But I, that's where I started was on social media. So it's like I have mm. to give back. I feel like that must be one of the hardest parts of running a business is that like you kind of have to know which feelings to trust because like like you said like that feeling of like oh wait like I can't do that it was based off of fear right yeah whereas like also you but you do want to trust other like feelings like feelings are hard because they can come and go and they're so like you don't know what they're rooted in um and they're they're so transient so how do you like navigate that like th there's like so many highs and lows <laughs> oh yeah and just thinking you know, asking yourself why, why are you stepping back? Why are you holding back? Why, why are you, why do you not want to do this? And really just kind of giving yourself like a little therapy session is like, just why, 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 why? until you get to the root of the problem and be like, okay, is this again, life or death? Or are you just afraid? Usually it's one or the other. And if you're afraid, face that fear. But if it's something that could go wrong, then, okay, do maybe do a little more research. Um, but one quote that I've shared on another podcast that really sticks with me when I go through these situations is if there, if your product, like your concept, your prototype is perfect, you waited too long to launch. So oh, I love that. Yeah. In that every, I think of that every time I think it was in start with why I think it was in that book mm. and you're not going to have the perfect proposal. You're not going to have the perfect product. Just do it. That first customer they don't know anything else. So even if you don't know if it's the right thing or it could be better, that customer or that client or that person isn't going to know any different. They're just going to see you for where you are and they're open to growing. And I look back at when we started our Instagram or our Twitter, more so Instagram because it was just photos and things. I'm like, mm. why did anyone <laughs> follow us? Why? Why were they... <laughs> this is garbage. What, what is this? So it's, it's funny to see, it just shows that people at the end of the day, don't expect as long as they're getting joy out of it. That's all that matters. It doesn't like people are going to see through the fakeness. And I think the more perfect it is, sometimes it turns people off that mm. just be genuine. And if it looks like, uh, like not the best, but if people feel like it's you, they're not going to care. They're, they're going to see right through that. Mm. And people can tell what's new and what's special because like, they're so used to, like we said, scrolling through a feed and seeing mm -hmm. everything regurgitated. Yeah. So if it's like that corny fake, we've tried it too. We've tried to, um, batch things and, you know, just facelessly create just for the sake of posting and mm. it didn't work. And I'm not surprised. It just, we felt like we needed to be constantly showing up and posting. Like that's, we thought what people wanted is posting, but I've realized that if you just post or communicate, it doesn't even have to be on social. If you show up when you have time or show up when you are ready, as long as it's genuine, when you show up, that'll last a lifetime. And if, mm. even if it's less than you want it to be, as long as it's genuine, it's going to impact people. And that I think it carries a lot longer than just constantly trying to show up just for the sake of showing up. That's how you get longevity. Yeah. And that, that's another tip for brand loyalty too. I've noticed is if you, if you're busy and you just can't get to it, it's okay. Just show up when you can. I love that. <laughs>
<laughs> Where can everyone find you on like all the social media pages? Um, we are on Instagram, the biggest platform that we spend all of our time on. Um, so you can find us at DTHY Nation on Instagram. We are on TikTok. TikTok is the same, DTHY Nation. We don't really post much on Twitter, but we are there if you want to scroll through old tweets. Um, our website <laughs> is dentalhygienation.com and on Pinterest too. So just definitely check us out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Caitlin. This conversation, I'm sure it's going to help so many people. It really helped me. And I just really appreciate your time. I know it's like a weeknight. It's like late at night. So thank you so much again. No, thanks for having me. I enjoyed our conversation. It's always fun to talk shop with another dental yeah. friend. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I'll see you guys soon. Bye.